Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and I'm always grateful and and thankful that you have joined the show and that you're listening and sending it to your friends. And I don't want you to forget that I've got lots of things on the website for you and some handouts. We have uh, study guides. We also have some, you know, just online books that you can download that have to do with the show. And so we've got lots of things there for you. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you take advantage of it. And I want you to send it also to your friends if you'd like it. You know, whatever you can do is great because this, is, this show is really about being the best version of you. And we have lots of different versions of ourselves. You know, I have the 1980s version of me. <laughs> I have, you know, the 1990s version of me, maybe. I also have the, you know, back when I was in elementary school and, and junior high school, you know. And so I want you to really be the best version of you on an ongoing basis, which means that we're growing and changing, but we want to make sure that we stay very true to who we truly are. And you know, I've been coaching and consulting individuals and companies and families and couples and churches and, you know, since 1990. And there is a lot of experience there. And I have been watching and researching. And I kind of learned some basic core truths. And these things stand the test of time when it comes to dealing with humans. So I found out that this, this, what I'm going to tell you today really kind of applies to everyone everywhere. And so the first thing I want you to always remember, and if you've listened to me before, you know how big this realization was for me. And that is that you are alive for a reason. This is not happenstance. And God created you with a purpose. And he's weaving it into the very creation. And so when, when I really understood this, that nobody is happenstance, even if they're not planned. And I learned that really well when God helped me with the idea of being adopted. And I was nothing like the family that I was adopted into. And it was troublesome many times because I couldn't relate in a lot of ways with people in my family. 
And so when I really recognized that God really made it clear to me that I wasn't happenstance. It wasn't like I just appeared on the planet and God said, "Uh uh-oh, we didn't know she was showing up. We better make a plan. And so it helped me tremendously to understand that there is a point to all of this. And the second thing I want you to remember is that you can affect change in yourself and in the world around you. And think about this. We kind of forget that we do affect people everywhere we go. That even though we might think that we're anonymous or that nobody notices us, it's not true. And so when you think about the person that negatively affected you or the person that positively affects you, So think about the fact that you really can be a change agent everywhere you go. And thirdly, I had to come to learn this as well, that pain is inevitable, but the effective management of it is imperative. Because if you are to be who you originally created to be, you have to manage pain. Because pain can really change us, and it can change us negatively or positively. And we we have to decide what we're going to do with that experience. So this first and most fundamental truth about you being alive for a reason and that your life is in happenstance is, you know, and that there is a point to you being here, I want you to say, what are you going to do about being alive? What are you going to do about that? You're either going to be surviving this life or you're going to be thriving. And so whether you believe it or feel it, your presence truly matters. And you affect this world and people around you positively or negatively. And the fact that you will influence others is a given. And regardless of your position in life, you will affect people, places, and things. See, we we live in this world that is extremely interconnected and highly complicated. So what kind of an effect are you having? Are you one of those people that leave others feeling replenished or renewed, reinforced, Or are you the person that leaves people needing to be repaired and restored? So why would that be important? See, I believe that if you're being the best version of yourself, you will add, for the most part, and not detract from others in the world around you. Now, we're all mistake-making people. I've made plenty of my own. Thankfully, I've worked hard at learning from them so I don't repeat them, but... (laughs) We have yet to see if that completely sticks, right? So you have something in you that's unique, it's special, it's original. And so the most important question you could ever ask yourself is, are you the best version of yourself? You're the one that can do that. You're the only one that can do that. So the best version of you, whether you're being a parent, an employee, an executive, spouse, a friend, a daughter, a son, a neighbor, whatever that might be. And the second really important question is, I want you to ask yourself, what is holding me back from being the best version? Have I given up? Have I had some failure so I kind of quit? Have I had messages from people around me that I'm not really worth anything and I have no talent and, you know, I'm kind of a nobody? What has caused you to hold back? from really being who you are. You are the only one that can do you. And when I realized that I'm the only one that can succeed like me, and I'm also the only one that can fail like me, (laughs) I mean, I may have some, I don't know, some commonalities, I'm sure, with other people. But even my mistakes are unique. 
And so this is where I want you to think about life management. How are you managing you? And I want you to be the best manager of you so that you manage your own best version of who you are and that you determine what role you're operating within. Now, you know I've been a therapist for many, many, many years. And this version about being unique and original and un unable to be copied, you know, is, is a fascinating and really compelling idea. But here's the one thing I want you to understand. Trust me, dysfunction, it's never original. It is, you know, able to be copied. And so it doesn't mean that it's going to be similar to everybody. We still mess up in our own way originally. But this way is so easy to do. It's so much easier to just do what comes natural to us and to not even try to resist what we know may be very unhelpful, very unhealthy, maybe unethical, maybe illegal, maybe, you know, mean, whatever it may be. So you want to remind yourself, it's really not that creative. It's still unique because you did it, but it's pretty common. And I don't want you to be a common person. So this is what I want you to think. I want you to be the best version, the cutting edge version of yourself, the version of the future. I want you to keep looking toward the future and asking yourself, am I better than I was yesterday? And maybe you weren't. You know, I've had off days where I went, you know, I just am glad this day is over because I did not do a good job. And I hope nobody saw too much of it. <laughs> so I don't know if you've had days like that. But, you know, th that's just part of being human. And so I want to keep looking to the future in many ways and saying, I want to make sure my mistakes are helping me have a better future. Not repeating the mistakes. And so you have to know that if you don't overcome your past, you can't become your future. So think about that. I'm going to repeat that again. If you have not overcome your past, you cannot become your future. See, if you're living in the past, lamenting, you know, over your past mistakes or missed opportunities or all the things that were unfair or dwelling in shame running away, whatever, whatever that is that's holding you back, you will be unable to achieve the best future. What will happen is the future will occur, but you didn't have any say in it. And this is really important. So it's really, really a matter of, of emphasis, and it's something that I want you to really think on and really take hold of. So secondly, now, if you're one of the fortunate individuals whose past is, you know, filled with all kinds of successes and happiness, right, then your best version still needs to be continually updated, revised, and refined. Otherwise, your past may be brilliant, okay, but it won't be new. And so, obviously, I say this, you know, kind of, I don't know, ironically, or kind of in a sinister way, because we all know that our, our, our past wasn't the greatest. Now, they've done lots of studies about the brain, and they realize that our mind has a tendency to romanticize the past. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But th it's kind of a coping skill. So our, our mind kind of rewrites the past a lot of times. 
And I know I've had that experience where I've talked with maybe a friend that I grew up with, and we start talking about the past, and we have very different versions of it, even though we were both at the same place in the same time. So I want you to think about this idea that you still need to revise and refine who you are on an ongoing basis. Or you won't be a really good version of yourself. You'll begin to be the old version of yourself. So we're coming up to a break, and we're going to talk about the second truth that I like to talk about. And that is that I can affect change in myself and the world around me. So join me in the next segment as we talk more about you being the best version of you. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today, and I want to encourage you to check out the website and all the different things that we have on social media for you. We also have lots of handouts that you can download. Uh, We have study guides. We have some mini books that you can read that, that talk a lot about ways that you can really capture and have the life that you want to have. So we're talking about this idea of being the best version of you. And I really came up with that idea in probably about 2010, I think. So quite a while ago. But it continues to be probably one of my most favorite things to talk about. And that is really understanding this most fundamental truth. And that's that you're alive for a reason. And that you're not just happenstance. That there's a point to it. Um, that you need to find out what is the point of me being alive. Because if you don't, instead of thriving, you'll just be surviving life. And I want you to understand that whether you believe it or not or feel it or not, your presence actually matters. No one is happenstance. And God really helped me, and I've talked about this lots of times, where I used to just think that I appeared on the planet because nobody had planned to me at all. And so I just kind of appeared and God said, uh-oh, I guess I better make a plan. I didn't plan for her to be here. And so it's really helped me to understand that I really am unique and I want to be the best version of how unique I am. And that I don't need to compete with other people. I don't need to compare and contrast myself to other people. That I really need to compare myself to my past self. And I want to make sure that my future self is way better than my past self. So when we think about this, you know, if you can't overcome your past, then you can't become your future. And if you're living in the past, and all you do is go over and over and over all the past mistakes and the missed opportunities and dwelling in shame and running away or whatever that may be, you will be completely unable to achieve your best future. Now, if you're one of the fortunate people who have a past that's filled with successes and happiness, (laughs) well, I want to caution you because you need to keep working toward the best because otherwise you'll be kind of a has-been, right? It's like people will keep working and they might pass you up 
So there is no time in our life where we think we've arrived. There is no arrival place until we arrive in heaven. And thankfully, most of us are, are going to be in heaven. I don't want any of us to be in hell. And so I want you to keep working toward that future. And that you can understand that you affect change in the world around you, as well as you can affect change in yourself. So I want you to really get this concept. I, you know, when I just survive my life, you know, because people, places, and things affect me, and then I will go on hoping that it treats me kindly, and I go on hoping I'll be successful and hoping that my relationships work. Well, I actually then depend on luck, don't I? And my life will be happenstance, and I'll feel like I'm only alive to survive it. And that's no life. That's, that's not a good life. And I want you to have the life that God has intended for you to have. And so I love Thomas Akempis. <clears throat> He's a great theologian and, and scientist and writer. And he said this 600 years ago. He said, everywhere you go, there you are. Now, maybe you've heard this for the first time. Maybe you've heard it many times. But it's really worth repeating. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I want you to think about this. Everywhere you go, there you are. And this is why you have to understand you can't get away from yourself. I used to, you know, I'm sure you've heard me say this before. I used to, when I was younger, wanted to unzip myself and get out. I just didn't want to be me. I did not want to be Cynthia. And God really helped me with understanding that he was really happy when he made me. And it hurts his feelings, actually, that I wasn't happy about me. And so we need to understand that everywhere I go, there I am. I cannot get away from myself. So if I understand the power of effect, then I begin to realize that I choose, consciously or unconsciously, whether I'm going to live a life proactively affecting the world or live a life reacting to the effect coming at me. Now, I'm sure you've also heard the axiom, if you don't like what you're getting, stop doing what you're doing. <coughs> Excuse me. And this, I think, is extremely wise. So truthfully, then, it's an internal job. It's about me. The change must emanate from within. And this is the only place I truly have control. And that's hard a lot of times for me to even have control over myself. But I have to recognize that it doesn't come from the outside. Now, the prompts, the encouragement, the ideas, the whatever that is, may come from the outside. But I'm the only one that can do the internal job. And so maybe I need to change what I'm doing. I don't know. Why don't you think about that? I'm sure that you have things that you may need to change. And maybe I don't understand how I'm affecting my external world. And I don't understand how much my external behaviors and attitudes affect my internal world. So if I want to affect change in people, places, and things, then the change has to come from within me and be manifested in my behavior and my attitudes. <clears throat> you see, the greatest way to change my external world is to change my internal world. I can't create outside of myself what's not in me. See, this I take everywhere I go. 
because it will be in me. It will not be somewhere outside of me in some other person or something that's waiting to be found. I have it inside of me. And too often as leaders and parents and friends, you know, we focus on external circumstances or people. And every time we focus on the externals as a way to feel better internally, we lose the power to truly influence change. See, ironically, we end up giving the external concerns the power to now control us. Ultimately, I can only control one thing. And that's how I respond to people and things around me. So it's, you know, very tempting to endeavor to change the external world. And we may think it's more efficient or faster. You know, a faster road to, product, to productivity success or, you know, pain relief. And so I want you to think about, again, that when we are focusing externally, all it really accomplishes is weariness in that we spend limited time and energy on things we either cannot control or on creating temporary change. And sadly, we usually end up frustrated, exhausted, and demoralized. So this is an opportunity for you to say, I need to get to know me, <clears throat> to know what I can change, what I can't change, what I need to accept about me. And I need to understand what my talents and abilities are. And I'm promising all of you, everybody has talents, everyone has abilities that are unique to them. Now, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of the internal change versus external change. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and as always, I'm so appreciative of you taking time to listen to the show and to really get some uh, help, some hints, some, I don't know, guidance as to how to truly be the best version of you. And so the first half hour of this show, we talked a lot about being your own best version. And if you've listened to me over all the years I've done this, You've heard this many, many times, and it really is because it's the impetus of this show that when God really gave me this message of being my own best version, that there's only one me. And see, <clears throat> when we think about this, we understand that even identical twins have different fingerprints. So every single human is unique. Every animal is unique. Every rock is unique. Every piece of dirt is unique. God creates just tons of uniqueness. He does not repeat himself. And so often, you know, we as parents or leaders or friends, we kind of focus only on the external circumstances of people. And we say, well, look at your life and look how it's going. And you could have done so much more or why aren't you working hard enough or why have you quit? Whatever it is. And we tend to focus on those externals as a way to feel better internally and as a way to maybe prove to people that we're valid or we're valuable. <clears throat> and so what happens is when we do that, we lose the power to truly influence change because we end up giving the external concerns the power to now control us. 
And ultimately, I really can only control one thing, right? And that's how I respond to people and things around me and how I respond to myself. So it's a very, you know, tempting endeavor to change the external things. And I'm not against changing the external world. But I think it's more efficient and faster and more productive. And we find a lot more success in pain relief if we really do from the inside out. Now, if we do the outside first, it usually accomplishes a lot of weariness and that we spend a lot of time and energy on things we either can't control or we're creating only temporary change. So we usually end up exhausted, frustrated, and demoralized. So we know that to efficiently achieve a set of desired results, the key is to wisely use all the resources available. So when it comes to influencing change, we immediately look to the external world, not realizing that truly effective and long-lasting change are those things which are internal. See, the fastest, most efficient way and the most likely way for success to influence change is to change my internal world. Everywhere I go, there I am. So I bring it with me. Instead of being more childlike and hoping that my environment is friendly or hoping that my environment is conducive to me and helpful to me, I take that with me. And see, our words and our actions are very important. In fact, the words alone can affect the decisions and behaviors of others. And your actions as well can affect the perceptions, notions, presuppositions of those around you. See, yes, you have a responsibility to the world around you, whether you're a CEO of a company, a parent, a pastor, a friend, an employee, etc. You have impact on the world, whatever portion you're in it, because you were born for a reason. And I want you to do it well. So we're coming up to another break, and we're going to talk about this third thing, which is pain, and that pain is inevitable, and the effective management of it is imperative if you are going to be who you were originally created to be. So this is very important as we recognize the difference between our internal world and our external world, and the control that we have over our internal world, how we think what we believe about ourselves, the stories we tell ourselves, how we interpret, how people treat us, how we decide about things inside of ourselves, you know, the judgments that we make, the assumptions that we believe. And we need to make sure that we are not wanting this internal world to be corrupted or to be really contaminated or overflowing with the wrong things. So think about this. You know, you're born for a reason. And so what we're going to do in the next segment, we're talking about pain and the effective management of it. And it's imperative for you to manage pain and to understand what pain can do for and against you in order for you to be the originally created person that you were intended to be. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, the last one, 
as we talk about pain and how it affects your original version. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is our last segment, and I so appreciate you listening to the show. And if you're just tuning in, you can go to your favorite podcast server and listen to the show in its entirety. We have almost, I think, 500 podcasts out now. And so there's lots of things to choose from. And today, we are talking about the, the very first thing that I ever spoke on when it came to you and me and who we are and why we are here. And it is called being the best version of you, which means I'm not trying to be somebody else because that person maybe is liked better or that person is revered more or that person seems to have more friends or more money. I'm really going to commit to being the best version of me. And so we talked about this idea that you're alive for a reason and that you can affect change in yourself and the world around you. And the third thing that is really important is that pain is inevitable and the effective management of it is imperative if you are to be who you were originally created to be. So when we start looking at this stuff and, and really understanding that this second truth that I can affect change in myself and the world around me, you know, what does that mean? Well, it means that I don't want to just survive my own life. See, people, places, and things affect me. And I don't want to go through life hoping that it treats me kindly. I want to actually be my own change agent, which means that I positively help others change. And even if someone is negative toward me, or even if I have a negative experience, that I can make sure to turn it into something positive for myself. That doesn't mean I make the bad thing a good thing. That means I find a way to deal with the bad thing in a way that causes me to be stronger, happier, more polite, kinder, more honest. All of those things that I'm working on being, I will let that bad thing bring out good things in me. So when we talk about pain, this is one of the most powerful change agents we have. And my philosophy is a little bit different in that I believe that the whole person has to be managed. In other words, both my strengths and my weaknesses must have time spent on them in order to be well-balanced and congruent, to be my best version. So the more you understand and accept and work with your weaknesses and vulnerabilities, the better able you will be to mitigate the effect they have on your strengths. And you can even help that bad thing, quote unquote bad thing, strengthen your already strong qualities. So I've found that individuals who are not afraid or ashamed of their weaknesses are far more effective, far more authentic. They are less mistake making than those who are afraid and ashamed of themselves. See, some of our weaknesses, when they're not character logical, okay, can be incredibly life-giving. They can add pleasure and happiness to our lives and to others. And so both strengths and weaknesses need to be managed in order to be the best version of me. See, the absence of pain 
is not possible when living in an imperfect world with imperfect people. So the goal is not the initial alleviation of pain, but it's really about the acceptance and the management and the growth that comes from dealing with pain. And one of the favorite sayings God gave me was I can either have pain in vain or pain for gain, but I cannot live on this planet with no pain. So I want you to think about that. You can either have pain in vain, which means that the pain made you weaker and less of a person, less of who you are, or you can use that pain for gain. But there's no way to be on this planet and have no pain. So in fact, avoiding pain brings more of it (laughs) because it causes me to live as a victim to myself and circumstances and, and eventually a victim to my own internal world, which means that my internal world is an ugly place to be and I hate being inside of me. And I have lots of patients that I have treated for that, that they just hate themselves. And so their internal world is so upsetting that all they do all through the day is try to escape their internal world. See, what I want to do is that I want to make sure that I allow the pain to become wisdom and maturity versus cynicism and bitterness and a jading of who I am. See, the wisdom and maturity comes from managing pain, and it inevitably leads to success and well-being in the areas that have caused me the most pain. So be someone that adds to the world around you. See, this is what I want you to really think about. This is kind of the add-on to this show. And that's this idea of feeling good versus being good. And see, what most of us do is we want to feel good in order to be good. And what I want people to understand is that if I'm doing good things, and they are maybe sometimes very painful, I will usually feel good a lot of the time. But if I am searching for the feeling good and hoping that it makes me to be a good person, I'm doing it upside down. So sometimes being good doesn't always feel good. See, this is about being your best version. This isn't about, you know, you being haunted by the past and that you can't trust yourself or feeling, you know, not feeling good in your own skin. See, this is about comparing and contrasting yourself with others. So what happens is we will chronically feel less than or we'll rely on excuses and justifications. And this version of you that rarely has regrets or ongoing shame, okay, is this person that says, if I sear my conscience, then I don't have to hurt over what I've done. See, a person that feels compelled to lie or justify or rewrite history This is the person that is making something sound good because they don't feel good about who they are. And this is why we want to really practice this idea of your own code of ethics. And I want you to have a code. Now, sometimes we call it a value system, a personal value system. But as adults who do not really have people that are overseeing us on a daily basis, like we do children and pets, we have to depend on an internal code. And when you you are working on being the best version of you, this is what will help the most. If I know what I will 
do what I won't do, what I will, I don't know, maybe compromise a little, how far I will compromise. When I have a plumb line inside of me that helps me to understand how far away from it I am or how close to it I am, the farther away from the plumb line I get, the worse I'm probably going to be. And so this means that if I want to feel good, I need to be good. See, if I'm being good, I will usually always feel good. And the only time that I feel bad is if I see someone harmed or see inequities or know that, that somebody's being lied to. See, it won't be that I feel bad because I'm embarrassed about what I've done or what I think or what I do. So you want to think about what is this code of ethics? Well, it's a set of principles that we adhere to when we're conducting our life. It's a code. It maybe is based on core values. So what is a core value to me? Well, one of my biggest core values is that I do no harm. I don't want to harm anybody. Now, that doesn't mean that people don't get hurt <laughs> because sometimes the truth might hurt. But I don't harm anyone. And I don't harm strangers. I don't harm people in my life. I don't harm pets. You know, I, I really don't want to be a harmful person. Now, that doesn't mean that if I set boundaries and people kind of crash into my boundary, that it won't be painful. But I am not doing harm. I'm not enjoying someone's pain. I'm not wanting to make them feel bad so that they'll change and be who I want them to be. So, so ethics are unique to every individual. And what it does is it helps me consider right and wrong behavior. And it's based upon whatever my, my way of thinking is. If I'm a Christian, if I'm a Buddhist, if, I'm, if it's my company, you know, what do we stand for? And so it helps me to know what I'm allowed to do, what I'm not allowed to do what is going to help me, help the company, whatever, help the family. And so having a code of ethics means that there's a different level of importance for different people. And so we have to work, if we are wanting a code of ethics for a group, we have to work towards saying, how important is this ethic to the group? And is this an ethic that the group can really you know, be, be behind. So when we do this in families, it's similar to businesses and families, we say, Hey, this family doesn't do that. Our family doesn't talk that way. We don't do that to people. We don't lie. We don't steal. We don't gossip. And see, we need to have this process in our families and we need to have this process within inside of ourselves. So when we create this personal code of ethics, then we have to establish personal reasons for developing the code. Why am I developing this code? And a lot of it has to do with the fact that if I don't, then I'll find myself doing things I regret. So it's kind of like if you were to, you know, go drive into New York City and all of the, the lights were out and everybody was having to try to figure out how to get around the city with no direction. And so this is why when we are creating a personal system, a personal code of ethics, we want to write down the traits that you strongly believe in that represent you as a person. 
And these are personal traits such as honesty or kindness, integrity, uh, forgiveness, these types of things, because then you will then be known or associated with your behaviors. So people will say things like, oh, I know Cynthia Hyatt. Yeah, she would never do that. Because if people know me and I have a code and that's what is constantly being put into place, that's what they will then assume of me. So if I do mess up really bad, you know, or, or a little, whichever, which I've done before, people will say, well, I know her. That must have been a really strange situation because that doesn't sound like her at all. See, that means that, that I have a code that I'm living by and that's what people expect. So when you're doing this, I want you to set statements that follow whatever that goal is, whatever that code is. That says, if this, then I will. Or if this, then I won't. And so these have to be clearly stated for you. And then we begin to really understand that when I create my own code of ethics, people begin to really, you know, assume that that's what they're going to experience with me. And the better I do, the better I feel. And so instead of chasing the feeling and doing good things only to get a good feeling, I start to just have good feelings because I'm a good person. And it's a much easier way to live. And so one of those personal codes may be I treat others the way I wish I could be treated. So even if they don't treat me that way, I'm still going to do my own code. I'll still treat them the way I would want to be treated. So maybe part of my code is I, I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. Not like naked, because nobody wants to see that, right? Unless you're a therapist. So it's like you want to say to yourself, I, I want to be an honest person. I want to be someone that if I say something, people go, I'll take her at her word. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really want you to be the best version of you. And I want you to really practice doing good and getting the good feelings that come with that and stay because you continue to do good. Have a blessed week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. <music>